We so thank you for joining us at Connections Podcast. We, as educators of human connection, invite and encourage healing and facilitate personal growth through impeccable honesty, rigorous personal responsibility, and vulnerable humility. We invite everyone who's interested in gaining greater connection with oneself, others, and God to continue on your educational road to happiness and joy through our simple yet life-changing three-step curriculum. First, search our library for personal learning, podcasts, videos, and workbooks. Second, register with our classroom for familial, parental, expert, and business classes. And third, join our community for personal coaching and group practicums. Thank you again and enjoy our podcast. Greetings and welcome to Connections. I'm so grateful you are here with me today. I want to discuss as our topic the power and energy of connection versus control. Or another way to say that is connection versus disconnection. And as I've been preparing this particular episode, I am even more aware, just emotionally and um, spiritually aware of the power of connection versus disconnection. That there are two energies that move through this world and that we as humans engage in. We engage in either connecting energy or we engage in disconnecting slash controlling energy. There isn't a middle ground here. It is that polarized, connecting versus disconnecting. And again, as I've been preparing for this, I've been looking at just the the everyday decisions that I make. I mean, the, the, the decisions that don't even seem to register on this, the decision um, meter, like, um, you know, I, I walk into a room and it feels hot. And so I make a decision to think in my mind, like, oh, I'm uncomfortable. Okay. And so I look at that decision. And I say, okay, is that connecting me or is that disconnecting me? So understanding what governs connection, what also governs disconnection, I realize that, that that kind of a thought, even though it just seems like it's a reaction, is a disconnecting thought. Because what I'm saying is that this is a bad experience. Being hot is a bad experience. And so therefore I need to control being hot. Instead of acknowledging that it is hot and that I can do something about it, I can make a choice and affect how I'm experiencing this room. I can either turn on the air conditioner, I can walk outside or I can put on fewer clothing. Um, And so therefore, it's not a bad experience. It's just an experience. And I can also say to myself, like, wow, what does being hot mean? Does it have to be something that's negative? Or can it just be an experience? And why is it that I don't want to manage hot? You know, I, I think about growing up, I spent so much of my life hot. I was raised in Arizona. And back Um, in the day, um, air conditioning was not as um, plentiful as it is now. It was incredibly expensive. And so we had a home where we had air conditioning, but we never turned it on. 
And so we lived in this house, and in the summer where I lived in Arizona, it would get to be 110, 115 degrees. And for those of you who have lived in those kind of climates like um, Nevada and uh, Arizona and places that are really dry like that and very hot, um, you just sweat all the time. (laughs) And so I was very familiar with hot. And I don't recall as I grew up ever thinking it was bad. It just was a way of life. And I do remember being uncomfortable and it wasn't something that um, I went into disconnect over. I didn't ever try to control it. I um, took responsibility for the way that I felt. And if there was a fan around, I would stand in front of it. Um, but I didn't go into a distorted, a distorted control. Um, I want to talk about two different ways to control. There is uh, truthful control and there is also distorted control. And so when I talk about connection versus control, I'm talking about the distorted type of control that all of us go into as a desperate attempt to change our circumstances, our thoughts, our feelings, um, to create an outcome that I deem is more pleasurable, more acceptable. Um, it, it fits what it is that I want to have as an outcome. So, um, control versus connection. Uh, there were some other um, uh, characteristics. There were some other adjectives that I wanted to use as well that described control versus connection or control versus, or excuse me, connection versus disconnection. And they are honest versus dishonest, um, connected versus disconnected, responsible versus irresponsible, humble versus prideful, surrendered versus control, truth versus distortion, interdependence versus codependence. So I have a handful more that I want to juxtapose and I just want to draw your attention to the contrasting um, characteristics of these words that they all are either connecting or disconnecting and connecting to what and disconnecting from what connecting to truth, connecting to another person, connecting to yourself, connecting to God versus this choice to disconnect from self, others, God, and disconnect from truth. So interdependence versus codependence. Interdependence means that I'm being emotionally honest and responsible for myself and in my relationships, and I'm vulnerable, and I validate, and I understand, and I empathize, and I'm compassionate, and I'm willing to own my stuff and clean it up, versus codependence is all about control. I'm going to be responsible for you. I'm going to blame you. I'm going to go into victim and say that somehow you're affecting me and making me and causing me um, to experience whatever it is I'm experiencing. Uh, boundaries versus no boundaries, repentance versus denial, peace versus fear. So all of those, again, characteristics 
um, on the connection side, the honest, humble, surrendered, independence, guilt. I forgot guilt. Guilt versus distortion. Guilt versus shame. Um, so all these characteristics of um, responsible, uh, honest, humble, surrendered, uh, guilt, boundaries, repentance, peace, those all have at the foundation of all of those is this willingness to be responsible for oneself because I cannot have those particular characteristics activated in my life if I'm not responsible to choose those characteristics and um, contrast them to the other side, the dishonest, the irresponsible, the prideful, the control, um, denial, no boundaries, shame, fear. Those are all choices to be irresponsible of self. So this episode is really about connection versus disconnection and the power of choice that all of us have at any second of our life to either choose in to connection or choose out of connection, which would create these outcomes that um, most of us would say we're, we're not, we're not uh, interested in engaging with. However, through this gift of choice, we choose them quite often. So what is, what is connection? Connection is the central spiritual and emotional need of every human being. Connection is the ability to know yourself completely and to share yourself with yourself, with others, and with God or a higher power. Connection is an outcome of being impeccably honest, assertive, responsible, humble, transparent, open, and vulnerable. Connection means taking risks and sacrificing and genuinely validating others. Connection creates calmness and peace and empathy. The pathway to connection is being honest, responsible, and humble. Those who pursue this course become conscious of and can challenge when they choose disconnect, which disconnect is created by choosing distortion, fears, addictions, lust, selfishness. And when they choose to make different decisions, they will have the fruits of love, empathy, intimacy, compassion, personal empowerment, freedom, and of course, they'll feel connected. So connection is me understanding and making choices to live responsibly. And, you know, people oftentimes will balk at, you know, that can't be, that can't be so simple of an answer. Like that can't be the answer. And the truth is, is that it is. And I would invite you to challenge that, that assertion because living inside truth and living inside responsibility, which is one of the same, will create outcomes of connection. You just have to understand what living responsibly actually looks like and sounds like and chooses like. And I guarantee you that you will become convinced that you being responsible for you, and there are certain ways to be responsible for you, will birth these beautiful fruits of connection. So connection is me understanding and making choices to live responsibly. 
I am only responsible, and let me use that word control right here. I am only in control. I talked about how control is used in truth and control is used in distortion. Here is the control word used in truth. I am in control for only me. Unless you're a parent, then you're in control of a child, but we're talking about adult to an adult. If you want to um, better understand how to use uh, control truthfully as you're being a parent and listen to some of the parenting podcasts. Uh, the outcome of me choosing responsibly is connection. Connection is impossible to strike if you don't know where truth versus distortion is. So truth and distortion um, are necessary things for you to understand because Distortion is constantly inviting itself into your life. With every decision you make, distortion is there to say, hey, you want to, you want to choose in disconnect uh, versus connection? So when I am invited into distortion, I engage in things that are untrue, unfounded, inaccurate, flawed, um, things that are misinterpretations of what the truth is. And inside those misinterpretations, it gives me a skewed meaning about myself and specifically about my identity and value as a person. The belief and thought that I, um, that your experiences can change your identity or value is a colossal perversion of reality. And thus we name it distortion. Let me say that again. The belief or thought that your experiences can change your identity or value. And let me also put in there, because now in our world we've got feelings. The belief or thought or feeling that you can change your identity or value is a colossal perversion of reality. And that's why it's called distorted. Distorted thoughts always attack your identity, either by claiming that you are less than or you are better than. One of these two angles is not more or less bad, quote unquote, than the other. Both of these presentations are utterly false, fictitious, and fraudulent. Both are spiritually and emotionally deadly. They are slanderous, poisonous, detestable contortions of reality. So most of the time you believe distortions only because you are unconscious or unaware of what you're thinking, uh, what you're feeling, Many of us have been perceiving in distortion since early childhood because distorted thoughts begin so young, you oftentimes distort the reality of your experiences without even realize you're doing so. If you consciously or unconsciously, without even realizing you're doing so, um, distort reality, you're going to end up in disconnect. And so disconnect becomes this reasonable uh, place that you go to and thus you call it reality. So I'm here to invite us to wake up to the difference between connection versus disconnection, truth versus distortion. And so you need to understand that distortion is inviting you to not be responsible for the truth. So what is the truth? The truth relates to things that are everlasting, things that are unchanging, things that are concrete and factual. Truths are empirical, impersonal, impersonal, and knowable by a third party. Truth is objective and cannot be changed by a person's perceptions, opinions, or emotions. 
Truth. Okay, that's truth. Truth also includes um, being responsible for the three things that you're responsible for. Your thoughts, your feelings, and your behaviors. Truth. Now, let's juxtapose truth with true. Truth is about facts. True is about emotion. What is emotionally true relates to my emotions and my perceptions at any given experience. These perceptions are subjective. They're personal. They're changeable, internal and emotional, not directly knowable by other people. Things that are emotionally true can and do change because my emotions, my feelings, my perceptions of reality change frequently. That's what's true. So, for example, the car is green. That's fact. True. I like the green car, which is true. Um, truth. It is 97 degrees in this room. True. It's bad to feel this hot. Okay, hear the emotion in that? Today is May 18th. True. May 18th is the best day of the year. Uh, truth. The meeting started at 8 and I was late. Versus true. They shouldn't make these meetings this early. It's too hard to get here on time. So you are responsible to recognize the difference between truth and true in all of your experiences, in all of them. That's your responsibility. And as you do that, you'll be able to recognize between truth and distortion. Because distortion is constantly inviting you to not be responsible for yourself. Rather, it invites you to control this distorted control. Try to control another person and then call it helpful or kind or loving or you feel right or entitled or it's appropriate. And you are responsible to know the difference between those two. Because if you don't understand the difference between truth and true, you cannot know the difference between truth and distortion. And therefore, you won't be able to consciously choose connection versus disconnection. Or you won't be able to consciously choose being honest versus dishonest or, um, you know, surrendered versus prideful or guilt versus shame or boundaries versus no boundaries or peace versus fear. You just won't be able to tell the difference between those two. So let's now look at um, control. We've talked about what connection is. Let's talk about control. So control in the psychology world has been called codependency. Codependency. And codependency means excessive emotional psychological reliance, I'd say dependency, on another. So that excessive reliance, that excessive dependency is um, the indicator of control. Because the truth is, is that you can't excessively emotionally and psychologically depend on another person unless you are trying to invite them into this dynamic of control. So let's, um, let's be a little bit more clear about what codependency is. It's an irresponsible attachment to a person or things. I want that person or thing to take care of me, be responsible for me, make me feel better, or rescue me, all which translates into control me, 
Codependency is addiction. I attach to other people or things or emotions or food or money, anything to extract value and worth from them. So I can feel and be enough. I can feel and be whole. I can feel and be wanted, feel and be valued, feel and be needed. I believe I must have that thing or that person in order to be enough, love, desirable, important, beautiful, smart, capable, and or adequate. Because I have that fear that I'm not, unless I have them or that, I will manipulate, which is another word for control. I go into denial, which is another word for control. And I use surreptitious and secretive behavior to get my quote-unquote need met. Codependency reinforces distortion, fear, and a lack of boundaries and vulnerability. It's incredibly destructive control. Codependency. Uh, I don't know that we talk about codependency in those kind of threatening ways, those kind of um, aggressive ways. Uh, it's more, it, it's often seen as kind of an outcome that somebody um, engages in when um, when they like want to be in a relationship with somebody, and like it's just this um, minimal or um, not that big of a deal. Uh, inside of a dynamic, like, oh, I'm codependent. <laughs> and the truth is, every time they say codependent, it's like, oh, I'm controlling. That's what they're saying. So codependency is this distorted control, the power to influence or coerce or manipulate or dominate people's behaviors or the course of events. Control is an illusion, and it's a distortion. This is this is distorted control. This is not the control that um, is healthy, where I'm responsible for myself, my my um, thoughts, my feelings, and my behaviors. That is healthy control, and that's all I'm control over. I'm in control over. This is distorted control, and control. This kind of control is an illusion, and it's a distortion. In reality, we are not in control over anything else other than our thoughts, our feelings, and our behavioral choices. That is it. We can't control our health, our life, our death, even our own heartbeat we can't control. And we certainly cannot control anything outside ourselves, such as our environments, other people, circumstances, events, and outcomes. However, when we feel out of control, we feel vulnerable, powerless, afraid, and uncomfortable. And then we're prone to control. We try to control um, our own perceptions and our own external world, the people, events, circumstances, so that we can feel more safe, more powerful, more comfortable. And when we try to control anything that's outside of our ability to manage, we're just lying to ourselves. Therefore, we immediately disconnect from ourselves spiritually and emotionally. And when we do that, we try to control our disconnect by entering into the illusion of denial and distortion and manipulation. When the illusion of control fails, we feel vulnerable again, and our vulnerability feels out of control, thus triggering us to try to control again. It's a cycle. We feel vulnerable, so we try to control. And the more we control, the more we feel vulnerable. When we feel vulnerable, we try to control. We have entered the never-ending cycle of the illusion of controlling our vulnerability. Or another way to say that is controlling, trying to control life and reality. To get out of this, we've got to be willing to surrender, tell ourselves the truth about what's really happening, and stop engaging in controlling dynamics. What does it mean to control? 
control means to exercise restraining or direct influence over, to regulate or dominate or rule over. Control means attempting to hide, conceal, or cover up uncomfortable emotions and thoughts that I'm experiencing as a result of living life. So control manifests in many different ways. Now, again, remember, I'm talking about the distorted control. There's healthy control, which is I'm responsible for my own thoughts, my feelings, and my behaviors, which is my choices of how to behave. That is healthy control. This is distorted control, where I'm trying to dominate or rule over or direct or strain. Control manifests itself in many different ways. Um, we can be controlling physically, emotionally, financially, sexually, socially. In every way of life, I can attempt to invite someone into control. Um, so physically, controlling physically um, can sound like this. I feel fat and so I don't eat anything for three days to lose weight. Uh, I live with an abusive partner and um, I'll use, and, I, and he would use his physical strength to intimidate me so I didn't do anything that he didn't want me to do. I'm standing outside in 30 degree weather and I'm telling myself I'm okay when in reality my toes are numb. I can't move my fingers because they hurt from the cold. Uh, emotionally, here's what control looks like. I go into a victim position to manipulate control. My grown children come visit me during the holidays. I tell them I'm lonely and I am um, waiting to die because of loneliness. <laughs> Youch. <laughs> um, here's another one. My friend acts like she's so concerned about my husband's Huntington disease to get me to give her information. But then I hear her gossiping and telling private information to our friends. She says she can't help it, which is a statement of control and victim, because she wants to feel important. And by sharing this information, she feels important with these friends. Another example, I told my children to always pray because it shows God that you are good. Okay, control of God's perception. Financially, if I'm paying for your tuition, you need to take your brother to football practice every day for the entire season. Control of money and what I do with my time. Now, that's fine to say that on the front end before the person, uh, you know, agrees with it. But if you say that on the back end, after you've already committed to pay for tuition and say, oh, by the way, after we're two weeks into this, you've got to do this for me. That's control. Uh, another example financially. I know you're a single parent and money is tight. I will pay for your rent on your home and you don't have to pay me back. Two months later, I've been paying your, month, your rent for the last two months and I think it's appropriate to let me use your guest room for my friend to stay for the weekend. <laughs> Sexually, control. Because we're dating, I get to say what I want. And I get to say what you're going to wear and how you will physically act. Another example of uh, sexual control. I intentionally hug this guy because I want to feel his body close to me and I'm aroused in the process. So I want to feel um, desirable and I want to feel aroused and so I use somebody else to control. So life generates these experiences, some of which are uncomfortable and painful, thus producing thoughts and feelings that are unwanted, undesirable, objectionable, and disagreeable to you. When those types of thoughts and experiences and emotions come, we can be, one, conscious of the controlling behaviors and thoughts, and yet unaware of how to manage them. We can be not safe, um, or not allowed to be emotionally safe inside the experience of the controlling behaviors and thoughts of others and self. Or we can be unaware of the controlling thoughts and behaviors, and therefore not aware of what we're experiencing. 
So the truth is, is that life shows up and it just um, gives you an opportunity to choose, to choose control, this distorted control, or to choose connection, one or the other. And that's how simple this is. However, the thing that is not simple is recognizing when you're choosing one over the other, when you're choosing connection versus disconnection. And here's why it's difficult, because we as human beings, we all of us feel fear. Our distorted control is based in fear. And what is that we fear? We fear that we are not enough. We fear that there's something wrong with us. We fear that we're bad and unworthy and undesirable and not capable and our needs don't matter and um, we're unlovable. We fear all this stuff. And so because we fear it and most of us are unconscious that we have that fear, then we engage in very disconnecting behaviors. We engage in controlling behaviors. So the object... The objective of control is to cover things up, to exercise restraint and influence and dominate. So when I engage in controlling thoughts and or controlling behavior, it is an attempt to compensate for how I feel and believe internally. That's what I just got done talking to you about. I fear that the core of me is bad, is not enough, is unlovable. Now, some of us would hear that and go, I don't feel that at all. That's not even right for me. I feel like I'm very lovable. I feel like I deserve. I feel like I'm better than others. I feel like I should have whatever I want. I feel like the rules don't apply to me. I feel like I'm, you know, God's gift to the world. <laughs> and that presentation, which is called self-adulation, is the cover. That, that kind of language and that kind of posture is the evidence of the control playing out in your life. And that's why you can't feel or recognize the fact that you fear not being enough. The very evidence that you're talking like that is telling you, telling me, that you are terrified of not being enough because you're peacocking, because you're demonstrating, um, you know, kind of this pompous, arrogant, out of proportion um, with the rest of your relationships um, value and you have no idea that that's what you're actually presenting so the solution when you feel those feelings of fear or you hear that arrogance inside you is to control whatever control something external such as another person someone's image someone's opinion of me the way that they think or feel about me control food control sex control work control any relationship dynamic it goes on and on and on i can choose to control anything i can use controlling behavior as a mechanism to temporarily temporarily divert my attention away from an emotional uncomfortable internal experience control i can also live a lifestyle of control be a controller and therefore live in a constant state of emotional discomfort. This becomes this vicious cycle. When I live in a cycle of control, it appears to me that I lose the gift of choice. My perceived inability to manage emotional discomfort gives me the illusion that reacting in controlling manners is the only way to stop the emotional pain. So when I feel uncomfortable, 
when I have an, uh, an experience that I would say is wrong or bad or shouldn't be happening, I attempt to control the uncomfortable experience, uncomfortable emotional, emotional experience by doing or acting out in some kind of following way. Um, if I start feeling inadequate, I will start a fight with Jim so that my friends won't know that I really feel inadequate and afraid because fear means weakness. Or if I feel scared, I make excuses. This is control for not going on the roller coaster. I blame others for scarring me before I even got onto it. Okay. Um, if I feel bad and unworthy, I can lie about my behavior so that I won't be found out and people will still treat me nicely. I don't think I could handle being ostracized, held accountable, or seen as bad or unworthy. That would be too uncomfortable. If I feel anxious, I start spending inordinate, inordinate amounts of money and time on my phone, texting, checking, um, shopping, eating, social networks, reading emails to distract myself from how anxious I feel. If I feel out of control, I become passive-aggressive with people. I feel they're controlling me. I start bossing them around. I start threatening them. Um... If I feel out of control, I uh, can go to some kind of addiction as a form of energy, you know, a form of distraction. I become a workaholic, a control freak at home. If I feel discomfort around being bored, I can try to manipulate, manipulate people into talking to me, entertaining me, visiting me, etc. If I feel bored, I fake an illness in order to get attention, so my needs get met. If I feel uncomfortable, by the way, of just being tired, I tell my wife that she's too demanding. I've worked all day, and I uh, don't feel well enough to go on a date. I want her to tell me something like, it's okay, you don't need to worry about yourself, and I'll take care of our relationship. Let me make you some soup and tuck you into bed. If I feel lonely, which is uncomfortable, I lash out in anger at people because they're not giving me what I need. Anger feels much more powerful than loneliness. And I'm sick and tired of feeling lonely, so I blame other people, make it their fault, and try to intimidate them into paying attention to me. If I feel sad, and I don't want to feel sad. Uh, my son left for college a week ago, and I'm still sad. He's gone. I try to control my sadness by ignoring my feelings and watching TV, watching funny movies. These are all life ex experiences. They're just life showing up. And if I don't know how to be vulnerable and be responsible for myself inside all these random experiences of life, um, if I don't know how to do that, I'm going to disconnect. Because the reality is, is all those experiences of feeling fear, feeling anxious, feeling bad or unworthy, feeling scared, feeling out of control, bored, tired, lonely, sad, all those experiences are life showing up. And you could choose, if you understand the principles of connection, you could choose to stay connected in those experiences. And the outcome of being connected in those experiences would mean you'd have to feel those things. You'd have to feel the anxiety. You'd have to feel the scared. You'd have to feel bored. You'd have to let yourself feel tired because you keep trying to distract yourself away from those things because they're uncomfortable. And part of the reason they're uncomfortable is because you have a fear behind them that says, this might mean that I'm not loved. My son going away to college might secretly mean that he does not love me and that he's not coming back and that we won't have a relationship. And I didn't do enough as his father and I should have done more. But it's all an illusion. Control is an illusion. In an attempt to control ourselves emotionally, we are destructive in our relationships. 
Our relationships become destructive because we control others in a futile attempt to control ourselves, to control our fear, to control our distorted thoughts. We become controlling of others to the degree we feel out of control within ourselves. In my attempt to control my undesirable thoughts and feelings, I project, quote unquote, that control onto someone or something else outside of me, such as my spouse, my friend, my teacher, my work, anything that I can project onto or blame so I don't have to experience the objective, objectable thoughts and feelings I was experiencing. This behavior of trying to control this, this fear that I have is an illusion. I then receive the label of being controlling because I've not yet learned how to, or I'm unwilling to, appropriately manage and deal with life and the thoughts and feelings that accompany life. I enter into control. So I want to share some ways that I project onto others in an attempt to control my uncomfortable inner, internal feelings. So I control my wife by telling her, you are the most stubborn woman in the world in an attempt to have her feel bad and give me what I want. Hear that control? I control my friend by saying, I'm broke and I need you to pay for my heating bill. If I don't, the gas will be turned off and it's the middle of the winter. Okay? So scaring someone into controlling somebody into paying for my heating bill because it's wintertime. I control my social status. I had a, my chin tucked so I don't look so old like my girlfriends. Controlling my image. I control my coworkers. I'm the best employee. I'm always going the extra mile so my boss and coworkers would like me. Controlling people's perceptions and feelings about me. I control my husband. I want my husband to feel loved. So I always tell him he's amazing, even when I don't think he is. <laughs> when he's, and when, even when I'm mad at him. I don't want him to feel bad about himself because I'm unhappy and or angry. Trying to control the perception of spouse. Because I feel uncomfortable. I feel scared. I feel fear. I feel tired. I feel, I feel, I feel life. I feel vulnerable. And inside life, there is always pain. I call it inevitable pain, pain that you cannot control. But we have this illusion because we can go into distorted control, which is disconnect, and tell ourselves that I can control anything. I don't have to feel the way I'm feeling. And there's just no truth to that whatsoever. So the reason why controlling behavior is such a popular uh, um popular component of many, many relationships is because it's my attempt to change, alter, numb, or control my own emotional discomfort. We all have emotional discomfort, so we all have the propensity to use controlling behaviors. My controlling behavior is never about the other person. It's always about me. When I'm engaging in controlling behavior, I am projecting onto my relationships that I am literally out of control with my emotions and therefore my fear, my fear that my distortion, my false beliefs are the truth. My controlling posture is a desperate effort to regain a sense of control. Though it is never adequate, control is never enough to displace my emotional discomfort and thus my need to control continues. I feel out of control and therefore I give myself permission to engage in any type of behavior that I feel is necessary to feel in control again. 
The problem is that when I participate in controlling behavior in an attempt to assuage and mitigate my discomfort, I am not addressing the real source of my discomfort. I'm only addressing the illusion, the obvious, the tangible item, which is never the object of my discomfort. The root cause of my discomfort is always emotional. It's always about my false beliefs. It's always about my distortion. It is not physical. It's not about a person. It's not about a thing. It's not about a state of being, like I'm hot or I'm scared. It's not about that stuff. So if I want to get out of control, I must address the emotional issues if I'm going to truly alleviate and heal my emotional discomfort, which is I've got to go back to the truth about who I am as a being and stop listening to this fear that says, oh, that means you're not enough. Oh, that means that, you know, nobody cares about you. Oh, that means that um, you're invaluable or you're not valuable. Oh, that means your needs aren't important. The emotional discomfort driving my control will often be based in fear. It'll always be based in fear. Not often. It'll always be based in fear. I'm afraid that. I'm worried about. I'm concerned that. I'm anxious about. I believe that. As I address those emotional issues, I will run smack into my false beliefs. False beliefs and distorted thoughts are lies about my identity. In other words, when I look straight at my, the surface fears, they will show you my core fears. False beliefs and distorted thoughts sound like this. I'm inadequate or I'm not enough. I don't matter. I'm unworthy. I deserve or I don't ever deserve. I have a right to or I don't have a right to. I'm entitled to or I should get what I want. I'm a bad, no good, not desirable or I'm um, unlovable. I'm not allowed to make a mistake or I don't make mistakes. I am always to blame or I'm never to blame. I am perfect or I'm not perfect or I have to be perfect. I'm not important or I'm all important. I don't have any needs or it's all about my needs. That's what distortion sounds like. That's what uh, false beliefs sound like. So distorted control is this illusion to manage. It's this illusion that I'm managing or being in charge of or I'm manipulating my own behaviors or the behaviors of others or external experiences, events or stimuli so I can feel a sense of control or manageability of my own emotions. Controlling behavior is always an attempt to change, alter, numb, manage my own emotional discomfort. It's never about the other person, ever. So here's some examples of controlling behavior. I'm concerned about you and that's why I put a lock on your computer. It's for your own good. <laughs> here's the truth. If you choose to look at pornography, I will feel hurt. I'm feeling scared that you're going to look at porn, so I'm making sure that you don't. I'm attempting to control, take charge, so that I can feel more calm and centered and in control of my own out-of-control feelings. So is it appropriate for me to put a lock on an adult person's computer? No, it's not, unless they ask me to. Here's another example of controlling behavior. My daughter is getting married. Even though I feel overwhelmed, I can't delegate to anyone because it has to be done right and my way is the only right way. And if I don't do it the right way, then I will feel inadequate, unworthy, bad, not enough. So I have to control who does the wedding. Here's the truth. I feel fear that the wedding won't turn out the way that I want, and then I won't feel adequate or worthy. I must control the outcome of the wedding to control my emotions and fears. You can hear that. You can hear that control in there. 
out of, out of a reaction of fear that I'm not enough. Here's another example. I won't tell you how I feel about what you said to me last night, because if I do, it might hurt your feelings. Truth. I am choosing not to be honest with you about the hurt I felt last night when you critiqued my body, because I'm afraid that if I share how I honestly feel, then you're going to feel bad and you're going to get hurt and you're going to get angry. And then you're going to shut down and act out in some way that creates even more pain and hurt for me. I believe I can and must control your emotions and reactions in order to control my own fear and hurt. Wow. So control, where in the world do we learn to control? We learned by having millions of experiences. As we were growing up in dynamics where control was modeled as a functional and reasonable way to live and interact, we saw controlling thoughts and behaviors, and we have practiced controlling thoughts and behaviors thousands and thousands of times, both by using controlling behaviors towards others and by having those controlling behaviors used on us. We integrated our controlling behaviors into coping skills and strategies that support us when situations and experiences develop that either we do not know how to manage or those experiences that are too uncomfortable to deal with. We learned to control in order to create safety, but I would say it's pseudo safety. And we learned how to control in order to create direction in our lives. Unfortunately, no one told us that by learning the skill Um, of control that we would preclude ourselves from being able to form close and intimate bonds with others and with ourselves. Controlling myself or others makes it so I cannot be emotionally honest, which means I will be in a codependent dynamic. Consequently, I will not be able to uh, experience emotional safety, which will mean I will not be able to trust. I will not be able to have true intimacy with myself or another person. And the whole goal or illusion of controlling behavior is to protect me from anyone or anything that could potentially harm or generate discomfort in my life. Wow. Control is a mess. Control just creates additional conflict because it disconnects you. The whole goal is to be connected to yourself and to others and to have intimacy and trust and safety. And when you engage in distorted control, it is a, um, it is um, the demise of the ability to have intimacy and uh, closeness and connection and trust and safety. Let's go over something called the control cycle, okay? So experience gives us the opportunity to choose, to place meaning onto our um, experience. And right there, if I'm not aware of my fear, which means I have distortion slash false beliefs right there, then I will start choosing in a distorted manner. Now, there are experiences that present themselves that I don't have any fear. Someone might say, would you like another piece of pie? And I don't feel any fear. But when someone says, well, I want another piece of pie, and there's only one piece left, then all of a sudden, my not feeling fear turns into fear. And the only thing that happens was that someone said, well, I want that. When nobody else wanted that piece of pie, I didn't feel fear. But the second somebody else wanted it, my fear came. And that's because I have distortion slash false beliefs right there, right there. Now, you may not feel the experience of fear. You might feel threatened. 
you might feel entitled, you might feel um, aggressive, you might feel like you want to be helpful, you might feel like you want to be kind. My point is, is you can have different emotions that are masking the fact that you feel fear. And what I'm inviting us to do is to really look at what's the truth about those emotions. When you feel helpful, um, kind, you feel loving, you feel empathic, or you feel aggressive, you feel threatened, you feel entitled, you feel scared, you feel um, um, confused, stop yourself and make sure that that emotion is actually in the truth. Because plenty of us are doing kind things for other people when really the motive is to manipulate. I want to give them that last piece of pie because they really deserved it. Now the truth is there's no such thing as deserve. Nobody deserves things. If you'd like to give it to them because you don't want it or you really do want it and you have no problem giving because it's just truthful for you, like you have no problem handing that over to them, and strings are cut, and there is no expectation, no agenda on the back end, then that's in truth. However, if you go to give somebody something, and there's an agenda, or there's a string attached to it, that is not the truth. That is you attempting to control, and it's completely irresponsible. Um, so when you have an experience and you feel fear or you feel any one of those other emotions and many others, um, it indicates that you've got a false belief right there. You have a distortion right there. And because of that, it's going to create emotional discomfort. And it's going to invite you into want to control. Okay? And as you're trying to control, inside that control, you go into denial and you go into distraction <laughs> And from that denial and distraction, you create more experiences that then invite you into more control. So you go into addictions, you go into controlling others, you go into manipulation, blaming, you go into victim, you go into behaviors that invite you into additional controlling dynamics. So control, it seems like it's just, it's just constant. Like some people... They live in this state of control. So consequences of living a lifestyle of control. When I engage in controlling a controlling lifestyle, I choose to behave in ways that are destructive and aggressive to myself and to others. I live in a constant state of fear and emotional upheaval. And I feel like I need to control others. I need to control things and events and experiences and image and money and so forth in order to make me feel calm inside. The problem is that it's only temporary. I feel a brief sense of relief from the fear I'm experiencing. And because controlling behaviors are not helpful or constructive in any way, I need to engage in controlling behaviors again and again in order to attempt to calm myself once more. But what I realize is that my, um, my attempts are futile. Because um, the space that I'm attempting to fill has no bottom. There is only more fear. So every time I think I'm filling the space with my controlling behaviors to alleviate the fear, it only makes me need to control again. It is a vicious cycle of fear, obsession, and control, which leads to more fear, obsession, and control. 
Wow, that's really, really upsetting. Because the more I try to alleviate the fear, the more I feel fear. Controlling thoughts and behaviors are acted out in very particular ways. Um, I use a number of strategies to attempt to control. Um, however, the mechanism of control is so covert and hidden at times, I hide the desired outcomes even for myself. I think that what I'm doing is for you or for the other person, or it's the only way, or the only way to find out what I'm doing is all for me. Controlling behavior is a form of selfishness, ego, pride, and fear. Anytime I enter into, into its delusion, which tells me this is for them, or this is for you, or this is the best thing to do, or I have to do this, or um, something else, something scary will happen to me. I'm speaking from the I perspective, and I, what I'm really saying is this is for me, so I don't have to feel anything that I don't want to feel that hurts. So we control, we use strategies such as avoidance, um, domination, narcissism, silent treatment, anger, pretending like things didn't happen, obsessive controlling behavior. Um, I try to make you responsible for me or me responsible for you. I engage in perfectionism, entitlement, expectations. We use, we use these kind of controlling strategies to control or manage our fears, our hurts, our insecurities, our vulnerabilities, our sadness, anger, and any other emotion that we deem as uncomfortable. These emotions are very real to us, yet the experience that supports the emotions may not be based in reality. The experience may be in distortion because of our perception is in distortion. And because what we perceive we deem as real, we never question the veracity of it. By not questioning our experience and seeing if it's in truth or distortion, it's dangerous. We need to question and humbly look for truth in the experience, not just our interpretation of the truth. We use controlling strategies to deceive ourselves into thinking that we are emotionally safe, sheltered from real or imagined hurts, fears, pains, and discomfort from any magnitude of um, places that they could come from. Truth is, is that this is untrue. It is an act of our own manipulative strategies which trick us into believing I can control my reality. It tricks us into believing that I can control that, and the truth is, is that you can't. So, experience creates, at times, fear. And inside that fear, if we're not aware that we're feeling fear, then we will start to control. And then we'll start to obsess. And then we'll control some more. And there's lots of different ways that we can control and obsess. Control and obsess. Control and obsess. So experience can create um, a thought of my needs don't matter or it's all about my needs. And experience could also be interpreted as I'm not good or I'm not enough or I'm stupid. Experience can interpret, um, can create sadness or stress or anger or hunger or fear or isolation, loneliness, boredomness, or boredom, tiredness, grief. Experience can create trauma, like being let go from a dog or, or from a job or um, watching my dog get hit by a car. Experience can um, present abuse, mental, emotional, psychological Sexual, being criticized, being yelled at. I mean, experience just creates all sorts of things. Um, I can be triggered from an experience. 
and so experience just is constant. It keeps presenting itself and saying, hey, do you want to engage here? Do you want to engage in life in truth or in distortion? Do you want to engage in life in connection or disconnection? So here are some statements of control. So here's an experience. The experience presents, and then I say to myself, you've always been better at me, better than me. I'll never be as good as you. That's your interpretation of the experience. Here's the truth. What I'm saying is that I want to control someone else's perception of me, and I want them to say I'm enough and that I matter. That's what I'm trying to say when I say that. You've always been better than me. I'll never be as good as you. I'm saying this because I want to control what someone else thinks. I want them to say that I am enough and that I am good at what I do. But I don't know how to just say, wow, you're super good at that. And um, I, I want to practice because I want to have the same kind of skill set as you do. Or I can say to them in truth, like, wow, you're so good at that. Good for you. You've spent all sorts of time practicing that. Way to persevere. Way to hang in there. I don't have to compare myself at all to them. Here's another experience. I have an experience, and then I interpret it as um, the person is mad at me. And I say, don't be mad at me. It wasn't my fault. I wrecked the car. The guy I ran into should have um, been going faster. Here's the truth. The truth is I'm trying to alter or distort or control reality by using blame and excuses so that I don't take responsibility for the choice to go fast and run to the back of someone. That's the truth. But in order to go into the truth, which is connection, it means I have to feel those things like I was responsible and I don't get to blame another person and I need to deal with the outcomes of the experience. Here's another uh, experience that I go into control. I lost my cat, but I've grieved long enough. It was only a cat. It's not like it was my child. I should be grateful it wasn't my kid. Okay, so you can hear that uh, somebody lost their cat and they're sad. But then their distortion comes in and says, that's enough. You shouldn't grieve anymore. Truth is, I love my cat. I'm devastated I lost him. I don't need to control my sadness by giving myself a timeline for how long I should be sad. Comparing my cat to my child only minimizes and undermines my grief and sadness about my cat. She's telling me, like, don't feel that way. You shouldn't feel that way. Experience. Um, I'm listening to the carpenter's music. Here's my experience. I just don't listen to the carpenter's music because it makes me remember my ex-husband and how mad I am at him for cheating on me. That's the experience. That's me trying to control it. So I'm just not going to listen to their music. Truth is, I believe if I don't listen to any more love songs, then I'll be able to control the hurt and anger I feel inside towards my ex-husband. That's the truth. And there's no truth in if I stop listening to love songs, then I'll control the hurt and anger. The truth is, is that I need to grieve the hurt and anger might be completely appropriate why I'm hurt and angry at my ex-husband. But again, you have to be willing to be vulnerable and experience that and stop trying to control it. The only way to stay inside connection is to experience the full experience as it's presenting itself to you. Stay in the truth of the experience as it's presenting itself to you. So my controlling behaviors are acted, activated when I'm when my own self-centric needs or expectations are not being met. The reality is I'm accountable to myself for taking care of myself. No one else is accountable for me. However, I often think that the evidence of loving someone is taking over responsibility for them, which will do two things. 
that will be to their detriment and demise. One, I will enable them not to care for themselves. And two, I will create a sick dependency on, on you know, like I create a sick dependency like on each other. Like we caretake each other. Um, we become each other's gods. We support them. We support each other to turn to each other for answers for my choices, my needs, my maturation, everything. I, like I have to go to them and say, what do, what do I need? Like what, what, what is best for me? So I enable them. I do for them what they can and ought to do for themselves. And then this creates this dependency on each other so that we don't look to ourselves for truth. We don't look to God for truth. So the cycle of control goes like this. I have an experience. And then number two, I attempt to fulfill the need or expectation by looking for a connection to someone or something else. Okay, so experience is neutral. And then I attempt to fulfill the need or expectation by looking to something or someone else for connection. And remember, this is a cycle of control. Then, number three, I begin to feel vulnerable, and thus I feel emotions that are uncomfortable, such as anxiety, anger, fear, loss, confusion. Number four, the uncomfortable emotions that I'm experiencing will lead me to addictive thinking and addictive behavior that I need to control something or someone. So then I start turning to my, my you know, desired outcome of control. And I become psychologically, mentally, emotionally hooked on my behavior that I want to control. So I, I want to control you. I want to control food. I want to control um, people's perceptions of me. I want to control um, the noise level in the house. I want to control um, the way that I look. I mean, control, there's a never-ending limit of what I want to control. And that's why we engage in controlling behaviors. Because I am trying to change, alter, make it not the truth that my false beliefs are speaking to me. False beliefs that say, I'm unlovable, I'm unworthy, I'm not enough. And the reality is, is none of that is the truth, ever. Ever. It's never the truth. But we don't stop and check it out. Because if we checked it out, we'd stay connected. And we would not start reacting to things. So let me just explain um, experience and how neutral experience is. I want to ex share experience from my life. Uh, two days ago, I was sitting in my office, and I looked out the window, and I'm kind of uh, at, in my home, out my window, I'm, I'm a little bit lower than ground level. And I looked up, and there was a snake. I kid you not. <laughs> there was a snake that was looking at me right through my window. I mean, we were probably three feet away from each other, but we had a piece of glass in between us. And the snake had reared up. And its its neck and head were kind of leaning over this little um, wall. And so I could see it. It was probably about a three, three and a half foot snake. Uh, orange stripes and most of its body was well, cream color. And so that was an experience <laughs> that I was having. Now, I could take that experience and interpret it as that's bad or that's scary 
or I'm in danger. Or I could take that experience and say, okay, this is unpleasant. This is uh, not something that I expected. But all it means is I'm, I'm running into my vulnerability. Experience means I'm running into my vulnerability. The snake was just slithering around in the desert. And it came upon my home. <laughs> and um, was curious about, you know, what was going on around it. That's it. And my periphery, I saw something moving and I looked up and, and saw it. And so we saw each other. And we were having an experience together. That's all it is. Now, let's say there was no glass between the two of us. Let's say I was out in the desert and I ran into that snake. That doesn't then mean it's bad. It still means the same kind of neutral experience. Now, it's fine to have emotions that say, oh my goodness, I'm scared, or I'm confused, or I'm in danger. That's fine to say those things and also to have emotions around those experiences. It's just that you don't want to take them into distortion where then you feel like you have to control something. That's the danger. So holding that in a place of not controlling it means you'd keep it in truth, which is, I feel scared. There's nothing between me and this, this uh, reptile. I have no idea how it's going to react. I'm just going to slowly back away and see how it responds. That can be an experience in truth. Now, let's say that I know what kind of snake this is, and I know it's not dangerous. And so instead of backing away, I go over and I pick it up. And I'm holding it. And I feel rather connected to it. That'd be fine too. That would be holding it inside truth. There's lots of other ways to hold it inside truth. Holding it inside distortion says, oh my gosh, I've been traumatized. This will never go away. Um, how could the snake do this to me? I start blaming the snake. I go into all these presentations of distortion, which are I go into denial. I go into control. I go into blame. I go into um, um, pride. I go into dishonesty. I go into, um, you know, more fear. I'm irresponsible. Okay, those are all ways to disconnect from the experience. I talked about those right at the beginning of the podcast. This juxtaposition between connection versus disconnection. So experience comes from a handful of things. It comes from the outcomes of my own choices, the outcomes of other people's choices, stuff that just happens, that snake, me running into the snake was just something that just happened. Um, it comes from remembering my history. Experience can come from remembering my history. Experience can come from thinking about my present and thinking about my future. And experience comes in through my senses as well. So outcomes of my, my outcomes, outcomes of somebody else's outcomes, stuff that just happens, thinking about history, present, future. And oftentimes we experience experience through our senses. So for example, I jump into a cold body of water and I have an experience. Um, I hear classical music and I have an experience. I taste pizza and I have an experience. I smell rain in the desert and I have an experience. I run out of gas and I have an experience. Someone's check bounces and I have an experience. There's a cow in the road. That's an experience. You forget your lines while you're giving a talk. Your fingernail breaks. Your friend, uh, um, let's see. 
Oh, your friend breaks your dish. <laughs> That's an experience. You remember a bad dream. Okay. Um, you have a desire to go on a trip, but you realize you don't have enough money. That's an experience. Your papers blow off your table and they fly into the lake. That's an experience. You cannot get you can't get up on water skis. That's an experience. You got sun in your eyes. The garage door won't open. You got dirt on the floor and you just cleaned it. You forgot to brush your teeth. You get food poisoning. I mean, it, you're having millions of experiences constantly, constantly. Let me share an experience that I had when I was a kid. I was up. It was the first time I'd ever been snow skiing, and I was probably seven years old. And I was up at the ski lodge, and again, I'd never been skiing before, so this is the first experience. And at seven, it's hard enough to just get your own body, you know, moved around with, you know, a bag and stuff, let alone having a big, long pair of skis and ski boots. And so I was trying to hold my ski boots, boots, and I was trying to um, grab my skis, and I reached up on this counter, and I couldn't really see over the top of it. I was kind of eye level with the counter, and I put my hands up on the counter to grab my skis, and this person was standing to my right, and they had a cigarette in their hand, and they were trying to grab their skis too, and so their cigarette was upside down, and I put my hand down to grab the skis, and they put their hand down to grab their skis at the same time, and the, the lit part of their cigarette went right into the top of my hand. I still have a scar on my hand from it. Um, and, it, you know, the guy just pressed it into my hand. He did not know that that's what he was doing. And because I was so full of distortion myself back at that age, I remember thinking, I mean, it's, it was burning my hand. I remember thinking, don't react. Don't, don't show that you're hurt. Um, I yanked my hand away just instinctively, and I put my hand, the back of my hand in my mouth, trying to... Um, uh, put out the the coals that were in my hand, the fire that was burning into the top of my hand. And so I've got my top of my hand in my mouth and I turned around and my dad was standing there and he's like, grab your skis. And I remember feeling scared, like, oh my goodness, I, I'm burned, I'm hurting and I can't tell anyone because I didn't want to um, look uh, not strong, not tough, I was afraid to be vulnerable. And so he said to me again, he goes, grab your skis. And so I took my hand out of my mouth and grabbed my skis and just act like there was no problem. But that thing hurt the rest of, I don't know, at least the day. And I never told anybody. And I don't even know that I've ever told anybody since. I mean, I just remembered. I looked at the scar on my hand. I'm like, oh, I remember getting that. But that was an experience. And because I had so much fear and so much distortion back when I was seven, I wasn't able to be vulnerable and say, ow, that guy just burned me, you know, and, and not that he did it on purpose, but that was an experience is that I got burned. But because I didn't know how to live inside truth, I didn't allow myself to be vulnerable. I went right into control. I went right into disconnect and I decided to keep it from everybody. So in this place of, of experience, you get to choose right there of whether you're going to stay in connection or whether you're going to go into disconnection. And at any moment, you can choose one or the other. That's the thing that's wonderful about um, experience is that you don't have to stay in one place or the other. You can choose. You can move from one to the other with a choice that you make. So my choice to tell everybody who's listening to this podcast about that experience is my choice to be connected. I remember that experience very vividly 
and how sad I feel sad that I was in an environment where my family did not know how to live inside truth they did not know how to be connected and as a result of it I learned very young to be disconnected and to keep up you know the family image and to always be tough and to never show vulnerability or weakness or cry or that was not something that um, at my at my young age that I felt safe in doing uh, now I'm able to do that now I'm able to really be vulnerable and stay connected and talk about when things um, either have happened to me or are happening to me inside this paradigm of truth so experience happens and experience is your opportunity to practice vulnerability. And right as experience happens, you have choice. Choice says you get to perceive. And you get to perceive either in truth or you get to perceive in distortion. Let's go down the distortion side. If you choose to perceive in distortion, you will feel fear. And when I say fear, you may not feel the feeling of fear, but you will go into fear because distortion is a lie. Distortion tells you all sorts of things that aren't the truth. So for me, distortion said, don't cry. That was a distortion. I do remember hearing that. Don't cry. You'll look weak. Um, he didn't mean to. If you say anything, you'll get him in trouble. I remember those thoughts. And they were just rapid fire, just immediate, that came through my mind. And so I went into a place of distortion. And from that place of distortion, you will start to control. And control looks like this. You neglect yourself. You go into distraction. You neglect yourself and you go into distraction. I neglected myself. I did not tell somebody that I was hurt. I was absolutely full of self-neglect. And I distracted and acted like nothing was wrong. And here's how you act out. The acting out is distracting yourself from the experience, from the vulnerability. And you can act out in a, you know, a million ways. Here's a handful. Uh, you can get angry. You can feel entitled. You can always act like you're right. You can be manipulative. You can go silent. That's what I did. I just went silent. You can isolate. I did a lot of isolating. You can blame. You can self-harm. You can act like a victim. You can lust. But those are all ways to distract from your vulnerability, to distract from the experience that you just had that you went into distortion around. Now let's take it back up to the top and go through experience um, and go into truth. So experience creates vulnerability. Same experience. My hand got burned. But I hold it in truth. And I say to myself, okay, I'm going to put meaning in truth around this and say, he didn't do it on purpose. Um, it was an accident. And I'm still burned. And it still hurts. So what I'm doing is I'm separating the truth from what's true. Okay? The truth is, is that um, uh, my hand's burning. What's true is he didn't do it on purpose. I don't know that but I'm just assuming that that's what's true. He didn't do it on purpose. So you feel the emotion associated to what is the truth and also what isn't true. You're honest and responsible about what just happened. You tell yourself, um, you know, what you're responsible for and what you're not responsible for. And you're honest about your feelings. And you will then, if you choose to stay in that place, you will act out by engaging your vulnerability, which means... You'll stay inside the experience and you'll have compassion, you'll have empathy, you'll surrender, you'll validate, you'll get curious, you'll have boundaries. You might need to repent or forgive. You might um, uh, feel generosity or um, you feel, might feel safety or trust, but you'll be consistent with yourself. 
so if I could have kept that thing in truth, I would have pulled my hand away and said, ow. And I would have put my hand up to my mouth to get the fire off my hand. And I would have said, that hurts. And, and hopefully the man would have stayed in truth that burned me and said, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry. I have no idea. I don't think he even knew that his cigarette came down on my hand because I did not make a peep as my hand was on fire. How sad. But if I could have been in truth, I would have talked to him. And then if my parents could have been in truth, my dad would have gone over and said, oh my goodness, let me see, let me help you. And we would have attended to the wound and I would have felt seen and safe and I would have felt trust and I would have felt compassion and empathy. And, you know, if the guy would have been in truth, he would have said, what can I do to help you? It would have been a beautiful outcome. But because I was not in the ability, I did not have the ability to stay in truth, I went into distortion. And I didn't give anybody else an opportunity to have an experience that they could have interpreted inside truth. I just controlled the whole thing by not saying anything. So, experience is neutral. It's unbiased. And it gives us an opportunity to choose. We are constantly in a relationship with experience and choice and outcomes. Constantly. And once you realize that you are responsible for your own experience and your own choices to interpret your experiences through your choices and outcomes, um, you realize that you just keep having more and more opportunities to choose because you keep having more and more opportunities. It's like I'm responsible to interpret. And as I interpret, put meaning onto and choose, then I have an outcome. And then outcomes create more choices, more experiences. So when I realize that, I can choose to be free from fear, free from distortion, because I realize that experience isn't personal. Now, did that, did that cigarette hurt? Yes. Did it feel personal? Yes. But it wasn't about me. It just happened to me. So you can choose truth and experience peace, or you can choose distortion and experience not peace. Yet you will always get to make another choice. The choice to connect or disconnect is in each each of our power to, to create or to, to make. And I am hopeful that as you continue to practice choosing and experiencing outcomes and learning from the outcomes, you will experience or you will choose to experience more peace rather than optional pain. It's all within your ability to choose. We so appreciate you and your support in spreading this crucial message to your family, your friends, and your co-workers. Your greatest compliment to us would be for you to refer your loved ones to the podcast and classes at ConnectionsClassroom.com. Please go on to YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram and follow us for continual education, motivation, and truth. Stay connected, my friends.